So welcome to the Pony Up Mavs podcast. This is our inaugural episode. Um, my name is Ryan Harding, and uh, with me I have a uh, co-podcaster. Would you like to introduce yourself, Josh? Yeah, sure. My name is Josh Gamble. Um I'm a writer for Off the Glass Basketball, and uh, a lot of you may know me off of Twitter already. Um, done a couple of pods in the past, but Ryan and I decided that we wanted to make our own and just kind of review and preview Mavs basketball. Um, we're big fans, have been for a long time. Yeah, so uh, so like definitely um, agree with that sentiment. Uh, been a Mavs fan for a long time. Uh, my name, once again, is Ryan Harding, and you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Dallas underscore MFFL. And I believe your Twitter handle, Josh, is Joshua underscore rights six. Is that correct? That's right. Okay, sure. so you guys can give us a follow there. We also um, have created our own pod or our own Twitter account for the podcast, um, and we obviously appreciate you guys reaching out and list giving us a listen. Uh, I know there's plenty of other Mads podcasts out there, um, but we wanted to just give it a try because. Uh, we wanted to be able to share some unfiltered opinions. I know that some of the other more popular accounts that are going through, um, I think we can offer something a little bit different than them. And I think a variety is a great thing to start with. Um, and so I think uh, if you guys stick with us, we're, it's definitely a learning curve to this. Uh, but I think in the end, it'll be worth it because a lot of the time, I don't know about you, Josh, but when the Mavericks win, I can't get enough content. Um, and I am really trying to search for different personalities I like to listen to in the morning when I'm getting ready for work uh, in terms of podcasts or even YouTube channels, uh, different types of um media outlets that are covering the Mavs with uh, articles. I'm looking for all of it, and the more the merrier. I start to develop my preferences, and I I think being able to kind of have that free market Mavs arena and all these different types of media um, really helps out and gives you the best type of content for sure. Yeah, absolutely, Ryan. And uh, you're right on that. I listen to probably four or five different Mavs podcasts that I really like, and I take a lot from each one of them. Um, that being said, um, I feel like there's some, maybe some stuff that we have to offer as well. And more than anything, I think I told you this the other day, um, a lot of times I'll sit in my office, and I don't like to admit this, but I will. Um, I'll sit in my office and talk about the Mavericks to myself like a crazy person. And so having an actual um, platform to speak my mind without being a crazy person helps a lot. <laughs> so um, I can actually speak my mind on the Mavericks without you know talking to myself in private. So this is a good okay. opportunity to, to do that. For sure, for sure. And I don't think that we're alone in that uh, that same kind of uh, arena just because I think there are plenty of Mavs fans who are vocal and intelligent about the team and the sport that want to have their voice heard. And I think we're just taking it to the next level and getting some equipment, getting recording and just giving it a shot. But I also want to encourage everyone else that even though I'm super nervous about what we're doing right now and I'm excited, um, so far it hasn't been too difficult. So I'm, if you're thinking about in uh, starting a podcast, I mean, I know it'd be more competition for us, but I think, um, there's definitely 
an avenue for a lot of people to do this because uh, it's honestly not too difficult. But uh, I think it is a commitment, and we'll see that coming uh, coming shortly. But I think I'm ready to get into some actual content and forget about the whole uh, introductory portion of this podcast. We can go ahead <laughs> yeah. and get talking basketball. Um, so I thought it would be fun to start out with you and I drafting a Mount Rushmore of Mavericks when with no duplicates. So I'll give you the first pick. I think the first couple picks will probably be pretty easy, but I think um, and be very predictable. But I think beyond that, you can pick whatever Maverick you can remember was on the team uh, from years past, uh, whether they were on it for a long time, a short stint during the championship season, during one of the the down years uh, a couple years ago, um, and just kind of see where this takes us because I think it would kind of give some context to uh, kind of when we became lifelong Mavs fans. I mean, I grew up starting to watch them when it was like Sunday afternoons on ABC with battles against the Kings. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm sure that we're pretty close to the same age. So I'd imagine that that's kind of where we all started. Um, But if you were if you have a particular interest in an 80s Maverick, I'd love to hear about that or um, kind of maybe finding a diamond into the rough that we don't always think about. Uh, so what do you say? Yeah, that sounds fun. Um, you kind of put me on the spot there. I had no idea. So um, <laughs> so are we doing are we doing favorite Mavs or just like best Mavs? How are it's we? It's kind of what? it's open to your interpretation. So if your favorite Mav doesn't happen to be among the top 10 in games played, points scored, I I don't think that's a bad thing at all. I'm just interested in seeing kind of where your mind goes when I say favorite Mavs of all time. It doesn't necessarily have to be the best, just your particular favorite Mav. So with the first pick, who are you going to take? Well, I think that's going to be pretty obvious. I think, <laughs> obviously, the the first one comes, the first thing that comes to mind is Dirk. Um, mm-hmm. So, are we doing it like, are we drafting, or am I giving you four right now? You're drafting, so I'm going to pick mine after you, and then it'll go a snake draft with two okay. people. Okay. So, uh, so you took Dirk. Any? I mean, obviously, that's the the super so, the super right answer. Do you have anything to add about why? why you would want to pick Dirk first overall? So when I, the first time I ever watched the Mavericks play that I can remember actually sitting down and watching a full game. Um, I actually wrote a piece about this, but um, so the Dirk, Dirk was playing there. The Mavericks were playing the wizards and Dirk. It seemed like to me at the time, I think I was 10 years old, maybe 11. Um, it seemed like Dirk didn't miss a single shot that game. I think I went back and looked at the stats for that game recently, and he was like 13 of 18. So he, you know, obviously a pretty efficient game. But I just remember watching and thinking, wow, he's not missing. And, of course, being 10 or 11 years old, he was like 7 foot tall. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this guy's like huge, and he can shoot. Like, this is he must be like the best basketball player ever. And, you know, back then I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have any way of like comparing, you know, greatness versus mediocrity. But – like it stood out to me, so it's crazy. I think that you know speaks volumes on how good Dirk really was because I recognized how good he was, and I had no idea what good was in the NBA. You know, watching a first game all the way through. 
Yeah, I I have to agree. Just same kind of deal. My my attention was automatically drawn to the guy that seemed to be able to do everything and uh, was just a matchup nightmare. I think it's a it's a natural kind of just. Or my eyes were drawn to him every minute from, and it was just somehow. I learned a lot about him since, but he just, even then as a kid, when the storylines weren't as apparent with social media not being a big thing, he still became lovable. Um, I think players now are much more likable because you can see kind of what they're doing on and off the court. Um, but even back then, he, he just had radiated, like, just lovable quality for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, so with the second overall pick, I'll – I'll go ahead and do my obligatory Luka Doncic plug. Um, I think that it's <laughs> it's just amazing that here we are. How many how many games of Luka Doncic have we even had? Um, I would say probably a hundred. Right, so about a hundred. Um, this I think it just is a testament to how big of a personality he is. Um, I think it's he's he's got a fiery spirit that I think is I think as we progress through his career we'll see is very unmatched I like how he elevates everyone else around him and I'm just super excited to see uh the years to come because if you would ask me this question a couple years ago even maybe on draft night when the Luca uh the Luca trade happened and he and he was officially a maverick I would have there would have been no way that I would ever have thought that anyone could have surpassed Dirk if we were to do this again. But once again, he's so young and he's already number two, but I do think there's a chance that uh, potentially he could surpass Dirk on certain people's lists. And there might be some Mavericks purists who find that blasphemous, but I think that's something that we can embrace and enjoy and hope for it happens. And if not, we can always think fondly of the time Dirk had here in Dallas as well. Okay. Yeah, I, I respect that. I think I wouldn't have said Luca myself, um, although obviously I love Luca, but to put him on a Mount Rushmore, that's pretty bold. Um, mm. But I, I don't disagree with it. I just, I, okay. I don't think I would have done it myself yet. Um, so that, so that means that your second overall pick is still on the board. I'm interested to hear who you would, who you're going to pick second. So the first pick for me, obviously, was Dirk, and that's, you know, based on pure greatness um, as far as his skill and talent goes. My second pick would be Josh Howard. Mm. Um, he was – so I also fell in love with Josh Howard around the same time. I think it was like 2004, 2005 when I really, really started to like him. Um, he was the first Mavs jersey I ever owned, um, and actually had two Josh – tower jerseys uh before i had anybody else's jersey um i just like the way he played um i i, I really don't even know how to explain it he's just one of those guys when you know, i was like you know younger i just kind of fell in love with um he was one of the more you know volume scorers on the maps around that time and, and uh so you know obviously as a as a young kid that's what you see the most of and that's what you get out of basketball games is who's scoring the scoring the ball the most and Josh Howard was doing it, you know, and like I said, in volume. So I know that's a pretty odd and probably something you weren't expecting, but there you have it. I like it. I like it a lot. I like the fact that you own two 
Josh Howard jerseys. Did you own both of them before anyone else's? Or I know you said you had the you had the one, but did you did you get a Dirk jersey in between your purchase of your first and second Josh Howard jersey? No. Um, so the first one I had, um, I got for Christmas, um, and it was the, like the home, the white jerseys, mm-hmm. and. Um, we went to a, my grandmother took me to a game like three months later and we, so there was like a, a blue one that I really, you know, just like the away Jersey, um, at like the pro shop. And I asked her, I was like, Hey, uh, can I get this Jersey too? And she's like, you already have a Josh Howard. I remember this specific conversation. She's like, you already have a Josh Howard Jersey. I was like, I know, but he's my favorite player. So that's fine. I want a white one and a blue one for whatever reason. <laughs> so, okay. um, I wore like, I remember that game. I wore a blue Josh Howard Jersey jersey over my white one um that's awesome for that game <laughs> for whatever reason but yeah i got two luka Doncic jerseys this year for christmas and i totally plan on doing the same thing you did as as a kid with your josh howard jersey so there's no shame in that whatsoever um all go. right so i'm ready to whip out my my second name uh and i think after i've been thinking about this for like ever since we decided to record here uh this we think we pre we thought about recording earlier this week so i've been thinking about this and i know for a fact that my second choice on my mavs mount rushmore after your two picks would be monte ellis um i think that a big portion of it is just that i rooted for that guy Unlike many other Mavs, uh, I felt that he was truly an underdog in a lot of situations. I remember that I would vote for that man as much as I could to make an all-star team and would defend him till the ends of the earth when I thought that he got snubbed. And when he wasn't recognized as a biggest snub, that even kind of compounded the problem. So I think that Monte Ellis was just a guy that I could root for. um, And I think he was uh, just an underrated player. And it breaks my heart to know that, uh, that he isn't on a team like as, as bad of a personnel move as it might be, I would love to see that man somehow back with the Mavericks in some capacity, <laughs> whether whether playing on the court or just, I don't know, sitting next to God, sham God. He's He deserves, I don't know, I just have all the love in the world for him because um, I felt that he he was just tried, gave it his all every night, and I wanted to, in turn, give it my all to, to for him on the World Wide Web. So that's my second so pick. Clutch. He was so clutch back then. Right. Yeah, I, I think I we can... he, yeah, it seems like he had so many game winners. Yeah. Um, I think they could, honestly, if he still has that clutch gene, let's bring him in now. But I think that's a conversation for a different day. Um, <laughs> but uh, do you have your third pick? Yeah. Um, although his the prime of his career wasn't in Dallas, I'm going to have to go with Steve Nash. Um, mm-hmm. He's probably my favorite point guard of all time. And just the way he played the game, you know, he was, you know, kind of how Luca makes his teammates better and gets them involved. Steve Nash did the same thing. And he was just, for me, so electrifying to watch. I still to this day go back and watch Steve Nash top 10 passes, you know, and then Steve Nash top 10 plays of his career or whatever. And, or Steve Nash MVP highlights. And, um, 
I was really, really sad to see him depart from Dallas to go to Phoenix. But uh, yeah, that's that's gonna be that's gonna be my third pick. Um, I kind of wanted to make it my second pick, but I think I was probably a bigger Josh Howard fan just because um, he was kind of my other than Dirk, my first love on the Mavericks. So, um, you know, I, I, it, it, I don't know. I could go either way. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Steve Nash would be second, but Josh, Josh right. Howard was the second one that came to mind. And, and then now Steve Nash is, like I said, even though the prime of his career wasn't in Dallas, I would, that would be my third pick. Yeah. I think to this day, I still walk onto a basketball court and lick my fingers after touching a disgusting basketball, um, <laughs> in, in honor of Steve Nash. Uh, so definitely I like that pick. If you wouldn't have, if you wouldn't have taken him, I, I was trying to sneak him in towards the back end of my list. Cause I have, I have a very specific list and so far my picks have gone out how I anticipated they would. So my third pick is, I think he's on the level of jo- your Josh Howard, your love for Josh Howard. Um, I will always reminisce about the days of, uh, of Brandon Wright, that man, oh, that man, I, there's no way there's, he's got to be walking around, uh, coaching like the long jump or some kind of track and field event where jumping is involved at a high school because I, I'd never seen anything like it. I was once again, a firm believer that lob city didn't reside in Los Angeles, California with Blake Griffin and Deandre Jordan. I firmly believe that it was, uh, in Dallas with Brandon Wright that Brandon Wright had enough of uh, hopping ability that w- he would out-hop Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan. It was just, I would always check that uh, that list of top like five dunkers in the league, and he was always up there. His field goal percentage, nothing to scoff at. I loved that guy, loved watching him. And once again, just like Monte Ellis, I'd love to have him back as well. So, so far I've got Luca, Monte Ellis, and... Uh, Brandon Wright. So, how many people are on Mount Rushmore? Is it four or five? <laughs> four, yeah. <laughs> okay, four. So we have all. We can pick one more. <laughs> this one's hard for me. Um, and really, they're going to be there for the same reasons. Um, but I think I'm going to have to go with Jason Terry. Um, mm-hmm. That's a good one. Jason Kidd would be a really good. Would, was who I, I was going back and forth with. But Jason Terry, when I think of like, obviously Jason Kidd was on our championship team, but when I think of Jason Terry and the way he played in the finals and brought our, brought us back when we were down against Miami in game two, um, and just the resiliency he had during that playoff run, um, it, it I'll never forget that um, as long you know as long as I live. And as good as Jason Kidd was, when I think about the finals run and when I think about the Mavs, I think about Jason Terry is one of the first, like, you know, Mount Rushmore minds that comes, you know, comes to my mind. So for that reason, I will say Jason Terry. Okay. Okay. I like that. And I'll go ahead and take Jason Kidd off the table. Um, <laughs> just, I don't, there's just no way that uh, we need, I needed someone on that uh 2011 championship team for my Mount Rushmore and I'd say it was between him and Tyson Chandler uh but I think Jason Kidd was I think it was cool that it was his second time around with the team uh I think it was cool that he was relatively old I think uh it's awesome that just 
I kind of look at his whole body of work. Um, he had the triple doubles before the triple doubles were really the thing to to look out for. I mean, if you look at his shooting percentages from when he came out of came out of college, just how he became such a respectable and reliable three point shooter during that particular finals run, I think is a testament to how hard he worked. And uh, I think he was a super professional. And once again, I'd go to war to that for that guy too. I'd die on any hilt if anyone ever slandered that man. Uh, it's definitely interesting though seeing him now coach these different teams. I I just see him as a different. I always will see him as that player, and now I see him on. I think he's the assistant for the Lakers, right? Had his time with the yeah. Bucks, um, but it's. Jason Kidd, the coach, is just completely separate from Jason Kidd, the player, for me. But I'll always remember his time uh, in Dallas for sure. So, um, but so our four, our uh, Mount Rushmore's rounded out. You ended up having uh, who was it again? You started out with Dirk, then uh, Dirk, Josh Howard, uh, Steve Nash, and Jason Terry. Okay, and then I ended up with Luca, Monte Ellis, Brandon Wright, and Jason Kidd. Um, so I think that was just a little fun way for maybe some people to get to know us about where we come from, uh, some stances on some great Mavericks, because that's always a topic I feel like we can uh, topic talk about for hours. Um, but to get to some uh, some more recent developments, uh, quick question: Would Willie Cauley Stein have made a difference in tonight's game? Um, man. Uh, definitely. I think so. You know, somebody to be able to challenge Rudy Gobert on the glass, just some, uh, another big body to challenge Rudy Gobert inside would, would have been huge for us. Um, I don't remember how many Rudy Gobert ended up with. I know he had like 10 rebounds at the half, um, which is not a good sign for us, but yeah, I definitely think he could have helped as, as far as scoring goes. I don't know. You know, he maybe adds eight to 10 points a game. Um, so I don't know if he if he really helps us there, uh, but as far as as far as rebounding and protecting the rim a little bit more, I think he definitely would have helped. Right. So uh, just for some context, at the time that we're recording this, this is right after the Mavericks' one twelve one oh seven loss at the Utah Jazz. Uh, Rudy Gobert ended up with twenty two points and seventeen rebounds and five blocks. Um, so I think. I would have hoped that I guess the idea behind the acquisition of Willie Cauley-Stein would be to kind of maybe limit some of those rebounds that Rudy Gobert uh, was able to uh, snag down because, or at least just make them a little bit more contested. Um, Make sure that he's just not gobbling up every offensive board or every defensive board and trying to give Mavericks a second chance uh, for second chance points. Yeah, I mean, I agree completely. Um, I think he had like four or five offensive rebounds, um, and most of them were put back. So, you know, that's tough. You know, second chance points are always tough, but when they're right at the rim, that's, you know, it's it's kind of demoralizing as a team to see that happen to you. And then, like I said, man, Willie Cauley-Stein, people hate on him all the time, and, you know, they say he's, he's, he's no good. We shouldn't have picked him up. I mean, he's a lot better than some of the alternatives um, that, that people were throwing out there. I'm not going to say any names or slander any other, you know, past or present NBA players, but there, you know, I don't, I don't think that, I don't think 
you know, he does everything Dwight Powell does. You know, he doesn't. And what I like about Willie Colley Stein is he can't shoot threes and he doesn't shoot. You know, that's, you know, Dwight Powell. I love Dwight Powell, you know, but there's a lot of stuff that he does. It's questionable. And I think Willie Colley Stein plays with himself a little bit more, more so than, than Dwight did. But that's, like you said, that's another, that's another topic for another day. Yeah, I agree. I think he knows his role and I hope that he can come in here super quickly and fill it. Um, so if Willie Cauley-Stein wasn't the answer necessarily for the Mavericks to be able to pull out a game in which they led by as many as 13 points, uh, what what is the answer, you think, for being able to turn games like these into wins instead of losses? Um, I mean, the, the thing that stands out to me most is definitely going to be free throws. You know, mm-hmm. we we shot horribly. I think we were 7 of 13 on free throws tonight. Um, you know, shooting 53 or 54% from the line, that's not going to win you many games when you're playing a good opponent. And uh, so that, that's something. Another thing is just being able to actually be efficient in crunch time. It seems like in the last two or three minutes we fall apart. Uh, it seems like we commit, you know, for a team that I think we're still um, first in taking care of the ball and not committing turnovers – but for for a team that t- does that, for us to have so many turnovers, you know, in the last three or four minutes, um, in close games, it like, again that's kind of demoralizing as a team. Um, you know, it's Luca sometimes. Uh, you know, it was Dwight Powell at, at times when he was in, and even KP. And you know, these are the players, some of the players that you want to have the ball. But but even so, you know, then we have to find ways to take care of the ball. And I know we're we're a young team, um, so maybe some veteran experience. Um, if we acquire another player that w- with some, you know, playoff experience and experience in close games, that would help a lot, I think. But like I said, you know, the answer, short answer would be would be free throws and and not to, you know, not turning the ball over in crunch time. Right, I agree. I think uh, every possession is magnified uh, in these close games, and then when the playoffs come, I mean, not just within close games, but every game, every possession matters, and uh, as simple as a concept as this might be, when the Mavericks get shots up, they goes in, right? The only thing that really puts st- like halts their offensive efficiency that's has- at a historic pace is when they do turn the ball over, um, because once they're they're running their sets, they're able to get the looks they want, and a lot of the times they they knock them down. So uh, being making sure that there's no careless aspect to it, um, that you really value the basketball, I think is huge uh, as the game gets closer to the fourth quarter and as the season comes closer to uh, to the to a playoff run. Um, so. What about um, how did you think Porzingis looked tonight and in his first couple games back from injury? Uh, I mean, he didn't look bad tonight. He wasn't particularly impressive. Um, you know, he was three of eight from three, which that's not, you know, it 38% isn't is definitely a respectable percentage. Um, you know, I think he had 15 points. He was kind of outmatched on the glass. I think he, I don't remember how many rebounds he had. It was at one or two rebounds. Um yeah. And that's, you know, for somebody who's seven foot three and, you know, we're playing against a guy who averages a double double. That's, you know, we got to have boards. Um, so like, like I said, that's some, somewhere where I think Willie Colley's time might have might have helped. 
Right. Yeah, for sure. And uh, then what gets me is how difficult of a time he has when he is going, when he decides to pump fake, drive towards the basket, how when he's trying to gather for a shot, how he's losing the ball constantly when he's gathering, trying to go up for, I mean, he ended up with a couple dunks. There was one dunk um, pretty close to Rudy Gobert, but it seems like he can really be thrown off as he's trying to gather and a help side defender uh, helps off of the man that he's guarding and comes in and just puts a hand in. Sometimes it seems like more often than not, it can really throw him for a loop and he can have the ball just completely stripped out of his hands, thrown out of bounds, or it's going the other way. Um, Obviously, that's no, it's hard to take a drive into the paint in the NBA, but that just always, I get frustrated when I see that. Yeah, and that's one of those things to where I think he needs to play a little bit better as far as playing within himself and, and knowing his role. Um, I don't think anybody's going to ask him to, to drive into the paint, you know, on most possessions. You know, obviously, we know he can shoot the ball from, you know, 28 to 30 feet you know, and, and pretty consistently that for me that for him, that's not really a bad shot or a shot that I'm going to be disappointed if he misses. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, him, like you said, it does seem, you know, more often than not when he tries to put the ball in the deck and, and take it to the hole, he's either falling down, tripping or turning it over. Um, very rarely does, especially against smaller defenders who are quicker. That's when it seems to be more apparent. Now, like you said, he drove on Gobert a couple of times and it actually turned out well for him, but when we like, you know, I remember that game against Orlando. Jonathan Isaac, you know, abused him every time he tried to do that, and it was, mm-hmm. you know, embarrassing to see. But, uh, but yeah, you're right. Um, that's something that we need to work on and, you know, get better at. Yeah. Okay. So, our our main idea for this podcast is to try to do this around once a week. I think if things pop up with IE trades or playoff wins, anything like that, um, we can hop on here and do it a little bit more frequently, but we want to be able to come on here at least once a week to review games that had uh, occurred during the previous week and then take a look at some of the games that are coming up. So this week was kind of light for the Mavericks. They played and beat the Portland Trailblazers and then the disappointing loss uh, on the Saturday matinee against the Utah Jazz. Uh, But this upcoming week, they are playing the Oklahoma City Thunder on Monday, they play a back-to-back. They end up playing Phoenix the following evening. Then two days off, Friday, they are playing the Houston Rockets on ESPN. And then Saturday, the first matchup with the Atlanta Hawks occur for the Mavericks. So four games this upcoming week between now and the next time we plan on getting online and recording. So uh, the question I pose to you is, uh, what do you think the Mavericks' record would be for these upcoming four games over the next week? And uh, what would be the key to success? Like, what the Mavericks need to do this if they win these next four games and the Mavericks lose if they don't do uh, a particular action? What do you use your take on the upcoming uh, schedule? Well, um, I think, you know, I'm not trying to sound too optimistic, but those are all four very winnable games. Um, excuse me. We had the Thunder beat 
And, you know, we that's a game, another game we lost that was close that we didn't close out well. Um, so, you know, as long as we play well, that's, you know, the Thunder are playing pretty well, and I think they're playing a lot better than people thought they would coming into the season this year. Um, but I still think that all around we're a better team, and I think we're a deeper team. Uh, I think that's a very winnable game. Uh, the Suns, we beat them once this year, and they're, they're, they've been struggling. They were actually a little bit better or looked a little bit better when we first played them, and I was kind of nervous about that game. Um, granted, they didn't have Aiton back when we played them the first time. Now they do, so we'll see how he matches up with Willie Cauley-Stein and uh, Porzingis or you know Maxi Kleba, whoever's you know whoever's guarding him. Um, I think that's a very another very winnable game. Um, the Rockets is the one that's going to scare me most out of all these games. Uh, as long as we contain Harden, um, I think that's you know another game that we should win. I think we beat the Rockets by 27 the last time we played them. I could be wrong on that, but I think it was a game, you know, we won that game pretty handily. And then obviously the Hawks um, are the worst team in the league at this point in time. And I, I hopefully we win that game. Um, as you know, I also uh, I'm kind of, I have to watch all the Hawks games for uh, off the glass. You know, I, I write about the Hawks. So they're a team I, you know, I, I like to watch and have you know, if I'm not a, I'm a Mavericks fan first, but if I had to pick a second team, it would be the Hawks. So I hate that they're doing so bad, but I think the Mavericks, you know, as long as we play well, we should beat them. Um, and I will say this, before, yeah, real quick, the Rockets um, and Thunder, those are the two games that are going to be the, the hardest to win. And it seems like the catalyst for most games that we've won are just KP and um, Tim Hardaway, somebody that steps up other than Luka and playing well, whether it's Curry, Tim Hardaway, KP, um, Dorian Finney-Smith, Kleba, somebody somebody being able to score points other than Luka. Um, maybe give us 15 to 20 points. You know, that kind of thing is going to really push us over the edge against some of these better teams. Right. Totally agree. I think that, uh, I mean, two of those games are within, are against teams Western Conference teams, which the Mavericks are jockeying for playoff position with. Because, um, I mean, if you have a rough week, uh, you're looking at going from the fifth seed to potentially down to the seventh seed, right? So, uh, I mean, it's it's a measuring stick the uh, for sure. I mean, games like against the Jazz, against potential playoff opponents are huge. But I think that, at least on paper, I would take the Mavericks roster over either the Thunder or Rockets right now uh, with some of the storylines going on in Houston. I think that the Mavericks have uh, some continuity that these other teams don't have and some storylines that the Mavericks don't have to deal with. So I think as long as they take care of business... Um, they they should be just fine, knock down open shots and, and play their game. Uh, for more, in, there's more information. Uh, both of those games are away. Uh, so it's time to, Mavericks have been a pretty good away team. So it's just a matter of going there, taking a business trip to Oklahoma City and a business trip to Houston and, uh, and maybe gain some distance between them and some Western Conference foes uh, in the playoff race. Um, and last thing I think we can probably chat about before we sign off would be a little bit about the playoffs. Um, I saw a tweet from you earlier today uh, that was uh, some people might say are might be pessimism, but I think it's more of maybe more realism uh, just with how 
the Mavericks are kind of closing out these close games against tough opponents that you can guarantee they're going to be seeing in the playoffs come uh, this summer. So is there a team in the Western Conference that you would want to see in the playoffs? Or or what are you thinking about the Mavs' playoff chances against uh, the teams that are kind of up on that upper echelon of the Western Conference? Okay, Ryan. First of all, it's kind of cheap that you would uh, call me out after a after a sad and upsetting loss um, <laughs> when I'm in my feelings on Twitter. Um, I the tweet he's referring to. I said that it's going to be hard for us to win a playoff. Well, I said it's going to be hard to win a playoff game in a series at all if we can't close out a close game against a good team. Um, you know, Utah is very likely a team that we're going to face in the first round of the playoffs as it sits now. Um, it definitely could end up that way. And to see us, you know, lead virtually the entire game and then lose it in the last four minutes, it's kind of tough. Um, you know, we don't have a veteran presence out there. And I think that's, at first, you know, a lot of people are saying Andre Iguodala. And I don't want to get into a whole lot of speculation here tonight. But, you know, after tonight, I think that might be somebody that would really actually, or that would really benefit this team. Um, he's somebody that's been to the finals, you know, you know, I guess four times over the last five years, something like that. Um, you know, he's a veteran. He's a good, he's still a good defender. Obviously he's not going to give us, you know, 15 points a night, but he's somebody that we could really, um, use on the court. And even if he replaces somebody like the minutes of Justin Jackson or someone like that, I think it could be a big, big acquisition for us. But that being said, um, you asked the playoffs, um, a team I would here's my ideal situation. Um, I would like to make the four seed um, and then play the Rockets, who would be the five seed. If that somehow happened, that would be the the best case scenario, I think, for us. Now there are other things that could happen. You know, maybe maybe we could work our way up to the second seed and play somebody like Memphis or San Antonio or you know Oklahoma City. I think that's a better fit for us or a, a you know a better slate of games that we they're very more much more winnable but more realistically speaking i think being the four seed and playing someone like houston would be a more you know realistic expectation for us okay yeah i i like that um i think it's it's just a matter of uh i think you're being honest with uh with the idea that a playoff series, things get tight. You play the same team uh, consistently for those at least those four games, and it's just different, right? And so if the Mavericks are having a hard time closing games out in the regular season against these these teams that are a lot more respectable than, uh, than some of the teams that the Mavericks have been beating, uh, it does stand a reason that it would be hard to win four games out of seven against a lot of these teams in the top until the Mavericks figure something out, whether that is an acquisition or figure a different kind of lineup to end a game or a different kind of set that is a guaranteed bucket or uh, figuring out a way to get a defensive stop Um, until some of those things are figured out. It's, it is a young team and I think there'll be some growing pains and those growing pains might end up, to a playoff berth, which would be awesome, but it also might lead to an early exit, as much as I hate to admit it. Yeah, um, and I think worst-case scenario, you know, falling down to the eight seed, which I hope it doesn't happen, I don't think will happen, 
but having to face the Lakers in the first round would would be pretty demoralizing just because they seem to be just a better team. Um, you know, I like our team. Um, I would, you know, go to war for our team any day of the week. But I think on paper, the Lakers just have us outmatched. And that's not to say anything bad about the Mavericks. It's just that we don't match up well against them, I feel like. Um, yeah. It seems like they have us out of our element every time we play them. Now, if we do play them um, in the first round and we, we win, you know, not only would I be surprised, I'd be pretty optimistic about how far we could go um, after that series. Um, that's you know that's the Lakers and the Clippers are the only two teams that really really scare me in the West. Um, I know that you know I know that Utah's good. I know that Denver's good, but I think those are still winnable series if we can get it together. Uh, maybe get a veteran like I said and and pull out some games that are close. Um, those Denver, Utahs, Houston of the world don't don't really scare me as much as the two LA teams. Right. I agree. I think L.A. would be a scary place to, to play. Um, and then, as we know, L.A. teams travel pretty well. It just wouldn't be a fun series against those L.A. teams. Um, I think the Mavericks have a chance against everyone else. Uh, and it just be um, attention to detail, trying to figure out and exploit some of their weaknesses that uh, the Mavericks would see for a seven-game series. So uh, definitely a topic that won't be the last time we talk about it, especially as we get closer. Um, I think after this week, we'll have a pretty good idea because, um, I mean, the season series against the Rockets will be uh, pretty close to coming to an end. The Mavericks will have a pretty good sample size against that team. Uh, so, and the uh, the game against the Thunder is a pretty good litmus test as well. So I think this this upcoming week is good. They've got two teams that I think they're clearly better than, and two teams that uh, they've shown that they can be better than. And it's just a matter of going and taking care of business on the road. Um, any other thoughts before uh, we head out for the evening, Josh? So Ryan, real quick, what is your prediction for the next four games? Oh, I think. They go four and zero. I think they beat the Sun or they beat the Thunder. They head to Oklahoma City, beat the Thunder. They have um, Sunday off, and they'll get there. Willie Cauley Stein will join the team. I think that'll be big for uh, going up against people like the Nerlens Noels of the world. Uh, I think that'll give. Uh, Porzingis to be the unquestioned four on the court a lot of the time give Maxi a break um, I hope that he brings the energy I think that'll be kind of a shot in the arm for the team uh, I think they beat the Suns um, I think that's a, a very winnable home game and then uh, a couple days later they have plenty of time off before they play the Rockets on Friday I think the Mavericks can I don't know I just don't see James Harden or uh, Russell Westbrook going for one of those monstrous 64 point whatever kind of games they have. I think the Mavericks can throw different guys at them uh, and and be able to to stifle some of their explosiveness. And then I think the Hawks. Uh, I think that's should be uh, a team they can take care of business with. Go in there, get it done with uh, a big first half, and then let Lucas hit all of the fourth quarter. So I think they go four and zero. Okay. Um... You know, I was actually thinking 4-0 as well, and I know that I don't know if that's overly optimistic that we both say 4-0. Um, I was thinking 3-1, and 
being one loss to the Thunder or the Rockets. But since you called me a pessimist, I think I'm going to go 4-0. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think uh, I was just – I just know that the pessimism can really radiate on Twitter. So I was just trying to <laughs> – I, I think it's – I would say it's more of a, a realist view. You're just being real honest and i mean you don't always get that on twitter so it's just like it just caught my eye that was all um but uh i think so far this was fun i think we can uh, go ahead and give it another try what do you say yeah sounds good to me man all right cool well go ahead and follow us on twitter uh at our respective uh twitter accounts and then this podcast has a uh twitter account of their own at uh, pony up mavs on twitter and go ahead reach out to us let us know what you think um this was our first try at a podcast so uh maybe i hope that you guys enjoy it and we'll hopefully continue to get better at this as we move forward throughout the season sounds good all right good night everyone good night <laughs>